You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Timothy, First uh, Timothy chapter four and verse number six. The Bible says, "If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things." Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Verse number seven, but refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Amen. And let's pray. Our Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be together today. And I thank you for your people and their faithfulness to be out uh, on these uh, Sundays under the tent. I thank you for their faithfulness through our online services and the drive-in services and the tent meetings and being back in the building. And uh, Lord, all that we have been through, we thank you that we have seen a people that have stayed faithful and stayed committed to you. And I pray that you would bless us, Lord, in these uh, tent services. I pray that you would prepare our hearts and challenge us, Lord, that we might be what you'd have us to be as a church and that you might strengthen our homes and strengthen our marriages and uh, strengthen our resolve to live for you and serve you. I pray that you'd bless all the ministries this morning. I think of all of our uh, bus ministry and all of the junior churches going on. I think of our drive-in ministries and the uh, junior churches and nurseries. I thank you for every person who's had a part today. We pray your blessing now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. 1 Timothy 4, I started a series on Sunday morning, the first Sunday under the tent. It was the day that we uh, recognized our graduates and uh, we honored them. And then I continued the series last Sunday night and uh, we had a guest preacher last Sunday morning. It was a great service and uh, for um, Madeline and for Bethany, we had uh, the Golden State group was here and Brother Burcham preached a great message last Sunday and uh, we had a good time and I'm glad we had dinner on the grounds last Sunday instead of today and uh, with this weather, the Lord worked that out for us for sure. But I want to continue this series from 1 Timothy 4 and I've entitled the series, An Example of the Believers. You know, I think sometimes, I think we get so focused on ourselves that we we fail to realize that, yes, we should live for God and we should do what's right for us. But can I remind you that there are people that are watching. There is a lost and dying world that is watching you and watching me. There are children 
uh, there are young people, there are new Christians, there are people who have been become backslidden, there are so many people that are watching your life and watching my life. The Apostle Paul said it like this, he said, you are an epistle, meaning you are a letter that people are literally reading every day by seeing how you live. And friend, I want to tell you, being a Christian is not just a Sunday morning thing, but being a Christian ought to be 24-7, 365 days of the year, because this is not just something that we put on and take off. This is who we are. If you've got Jesus Christ living inside of you and you've got the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you, then there ought to be a difference in how we act and how we talk and how we live. And we should be an example to those who are watching. Jesus uh, has, is, is very obviously is the light of the world, but we are commanded to be lights that are shining in a dark world so that men may not see us, but so that they will see and glorify our Father which is in heaven. First Timothy is a book that was written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy, who was his son in the faith. He was his mentor. He was the one that took him under his wing. He was the one that instructed Timothy in the way of the Lord. As far as we know from Scripture, Timothy's father was unsaved. Timothy had a godly mother. He had a godly grandmother, but he did not have a, a, a godly spiritual father. So Paul filled that role. And here we are on Father's Day. And I think it's very important, men, that we not only be the leaders in the home in, uh, in, in leading in a work ethic. That's important leading in finances, leading in direction, uh, in, in all of the affairs of this life. But I believe it's important that men lead in a spiritual direction. We need some godly fathers. We need some godly men that will pave the way and uh, blaze the trail. We saw in this passage, 1 Timothy 4, we saw in the first few verses that there are people who will exit. We said in 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 1, and fellas, I'm going to switch to this mic here if you don't mind. 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 1, the Bible says that there will be those who will depart from the faith. Now, I want to tell you, that's a scary thing. Because when I got saved, and I got saved as a young man, my dad led me to Christ. When I got saved and I began to learn the Bible and I grew up in church, it was never my plan. It was never my intention to say, you know, one of these days I'm going to get out of church. One of these days I'm going to throw away everything I've been taught. And one of these days I'm just going to live for myself and live for the world. That was never my intention. And by the way, most people that depart from the faith, that's not their intention either. But the Bible says that these people that depart from the faith, they've been deceived. They have been seduced. They have been tricked. And I want to tell you today, Satan is the master trickster. Have you ever seen uh, on television, or maybe you've been to them, but have you ever seen these magic shows? I think now they call them illusionists. But they will show you, and you're watching, and before your very eyes, you are in awe. Like, how in the world did that happen? And I'll be honest with you, I can't even figure out how they make the quarter disappear. You know, I can't figure any of that stuff out. But I want to tell you, Satan is a master deceiver. 
And Satan right now is very deceptively and very subtly he is working to try to deceive you and me and cause us to believe that the Bible is not true. He wants us to believe that Christianity, it's all just a waste of time. But friend, I want to remind you that our faith and our Christianity, it's the only thing that really lasts. It's the only thing that really matters. And I'm encouraging you, please don't exit. Don't get away from God. Let's in these days, let's determine by God's help that we're going to be stronger and more grounded and more firm than we've ever been. We saw those that exit. Last Sunday night, we looked at another group of people in 1 Timothy 4, and we said these are those who exercise. Now, don't worry. Don't get scared. We didn't start like an aerobics program for the church or anything like that. You know, I'm not going to have you uh, get up and do jumping jacks or anything like that. But we're talking about spiritual exercise. And every one of us ought to exercise spiritually every day. That's what happens when you get up in the morning and you open your Bible and you begin to read. That's what happens when you get on your knees and you pray. That's what happens when you serve God and you live for others and you, you tell others about Jesus. That's what happened this morning when you got up and you got ready and you came to church. You were exercising yourself spiritually, and we need a spiritual exercise. But today I'd like to draw your attention to verse number 10, and I'd like for you to see another group of people that are important in setting an example for the believers. It says in verse 10, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. Now that doesn't sound very exciting, does it? Hey, we're going we're gonna to serve God and live for God. And oh, by the way, there's going to be some hardships. The Bible says, Paul told Timothy, he said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. I wonder how many in this room have been at some time. How many of you have been in the military? Would you raise your hand if you've been in the military? Praise God. That's a good group. And by the way, we thank God for every one of these folks who have served in our military. But can I tell you, when you sign up for the military, you know it's not fun and games. You're not going on that thinking it's going to be a picnic. You're not getting into that thinking it's going to be a vacation. You're getting into the military knowing it's going to be hard. But why do you do it? You do it because there is, as Brother Arthur preached last Sunday, there's a cause. There's a reason to fight. And I thank God for those who have fought and those that are fighting for our freedom now. But friend, I want to tell you, we need some Christian soldiers. We need some that will endure, the Bible says. Thou, therefore, uh, uh, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things, Paul told Timothy, these things command and teach. The word labor here in verse number 10, I want you to notice in your Bible, that word labor, it means to work hard. It means to feel fatigue. It means to toil. It means to become weary, and it means to become exhausted with burdens. Can I tell you, the Christian life is not easy. Living for God is not easy. It's some work. It is some labor. But can I tell you, it's worth it to live for God. I'll give you an example. Brother Tommy and Brother Nathaniel, they were here early this morning, and Brother Nathan, Brother Caleb, and we were doing some setup in here. And Brother Tommy got talking about it. I told him, I said, I got it in my notes. I'm going to talk about this today. But when uh, I was a boy uh, in uh, Illinois, 
uh, we used to go over to Iowa and we used to detassel corn. Brother Tommy was talking about how that he and some young people, they did that back here in the, well, you're not that old, brother. It was probably in the 80s or 90s, I think. I think you said a different decade, but we'll leave it at that. But when I was growing up, uh, we would go over into Iowa, and I was in junior high. I was probably uh, eighth grade at the time, and um, we would take a group from Illinois from our church, and we would go to Iowa for two weeks. And we would stay in a, a, just, a, just a little motel, nothing fancy, but we would get up in the morning about 5 o'clock every morning, and we would be out in the cornfields at 6 o'clock in the morning, and at 6 o'clock in the morning, in the cornfields in Iowa in June, it, the, the corn, it's an amazing thing, but that corn is literally soaking. I mean, there is so much uh, from the dew and the moisture and the, and the humidity, the, the corn stalks are literally soaking wet. And so you'd get, out, get up at 6 and 5 in the morning, get out there by 6, and you start going through the fields detasseling corn. And if you don't know what detasseling is, don't feel bad. I didn't know either till long after I did it. I just knew I was making money, you know. But uh, we'd go out and we'd detassel corn, and we would put trash bags over our clothes, you know, kind of homemade ponchos, because otherwise your clothes would be literally soaked. And then by about 10 in the morning or so, that sun was over your head, and that sun was baking you. And you'd go from cold and wet in the morning to hot and uh, miserable by noon. And we would be out there, a bunch of us, we'd be out in the fields early. We'd take a, a break for lunch, and we'd have, you know, water breaks here and there staggered. But we didn't get done until it was getting dark. And we would work long, long hours. You say, well, Pastor, did you do that because you loved being out in the cornfields so much? No. As a matter of fact, I had nightmares about corn after those weeks. There, there was years I wouldn't even eat corn on the cob. I mean, it, it, I was that marred from being out there in those cornfields. I'd have dreams about detasseling corn. You say, well, why in the world would you go out there? Why in the world would you get, get the, the little cuts from those leaves that would just irritate you and the, the bugs and the heat? And you get in those cornfields where the corn's up to, your, up to your head and there's no breeze. And you say, why would you do that? One reason, I'm, I'm just going to put this as simple as I know how, one reason only, the paycheck. That's the only reason I did it. And as a, an eighth grade boy, they were paying us, I think it was 7 or $8 an hour. And so this would have been, you know, 1995 or 96. That was a lot of money. I mean, people were working minimum wage, and if you were old enough to get a job, you were making $5 an hour or whatever. That was a lot of money times 12-hour days, times uh, six days a week for two weeks. And when we got done and I got that paycheck, I was rejoicing. You know what I was thinking? That was hard work, but it was worth it. Can I tell you, in serving the Lord, there are times where it's not easy. Brother Dan in Sunday school this morning talked about going through tragedies and going through difficulties. There's times where you face sorrow or you face uh, situations in life and you say, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can go on another day. But can I tell you, it's worth it to serve God. It's worth it to be faithful to God because someday the Bible says we will stand before a judgment seat of Christ. 
And one day we will receive a crown. One day we will hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When we would go and we would be out in those cornfields, I remember one time I've got a, I got a scar on my arm from a, a barbed wire fence. We were out in a cornfield one day, and it got, I, you would have thought it was midnight. It got pitch black, and there were some tornadoes rolling through, and we had to get out this fence and slide down this ditch, and I had a scar there on my arm for years. You can still barely see it, but you say, well, why would you go through all that? The paycheck. To me, it was worth it to labor. It was worth it to go through some hardships because I knew that payday was coming. I had confidence in the boss. I believed that he would keep his promise and do what he said. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Paul said the reason that we endure, the reason that we go through hardships, the reason that we stay faithful to God is because we trust in the living God. Now I want to tell you, if you, were, if you were working for a king, if you were working for a president, if you were working for a governor, if you were working for an earthly boss, you might be disappointed. And maybe you've had situations where a boss promised you something. He said, you do this and I'll give you this. And that didn't happen. Well, I got news for you. Whenever God makes a promise, he keeps his promise. And Paul says, I trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. You say, well, pastor, what did the apostle Paul endure? What did the apostle Paul go through in his ministry? Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in your Bibles? 2 Corinthians 11. The apostle Paul was telling his testimony and the things that he endured and the things he went through. And he said in 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 23, he said, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In uh, journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fasting, often in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I'd say Paul knew something about suffering. I'd say he knew something about enduring hardships, but Paul said it is worth it to serve God. It is worth it to endure. I want to say what we need from our dads and what we need from our men and what we need from our fathers here and what we need from our mothers and what we need from our adults and what we need from our senior citizens is we need to see some people that will stick with it. We need to see some people that won't quit when it gets tough. I want to commend you, and I've tried to do this throughout this last year, but I want to commend you on all that you have done to stay faithful during a pandemic. Can I tell you, we live in a society that has become so, so soft. And I don't think the pandemic caused it. I think the pandemic has just revealed it. We don't know anything about suffering anymore. You know, for most of us, you know what suffering is? 
suffering is we go through the drive-thru and we have to wait a few extra minutes to get our fast food. Now think about that. Fast food, and we don't even want to wait for that. We're so soft that if there's a reason not to go to church, we don't actually we don't need a reason anymore. We'll make one up. If there's a reason that we can get out of serving God or if there's a reason that we can do our own thing, we are all over that and we have become a, a consumer society. Well, I tell you what, I would go back to that church, but I don't, I don't, those pews are too hard. And by the way, our pews are not too hard. As a matter of fact, they're sounding good about now, aren't they, after being on the hard plastic chairs? Well, I'm not going back to that church. That air conditioning, that air conditioning is never right. Can I tell you, after being under this tent, I don't want to hear any complaints about the air conditioning. Even when Brother Dan turns the air conditioning down and tries to freeze us out like he does. And how many of you know that's the way that works, right? It's feeling good. And Brother Dan goes and turns that thermostat down to about 43 degrees. But we're so soft. We have become uh, so pampered. We have become uh, uh, just uh, so easygoing that we don't want to endure anything. We want everything to be just perfect and just right. Well, I want to tell you, when we're serving the Lord, there will be some things to endure. There will be some trials. There will be some things that you don't understand. There will be some things that we'll face that we say, why in the world do I have to go through this? And I don't know the answer, but I know this. We can endure because we trust in the living God. We know that God is still in control. We know that God is still on the throne. And Paul said this. He said, we labor and suffer reproach. Notice with me, if you go back up to verse number 8, it says bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. You know what Paul said? Paul said, I trust that God is going to take care of me here and now. I think God's going to give me the grace that I need right now. I think God's going to give me the blessings I need right now. But I know God's going to give me the blessings when I get to heaven. Not just the life now, but the life that is to come. God is faithful. Paul said we labor and we suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Our faith today, my friends, is not a blind faith. Our faith is not grasping at straws. We have confidence in what God can do. You know why? Because we've seen him do it before. And what God has done for you in the past, God can do again. What God has done for others, God can do for you and God can do for me. God is a faithful God. I, I don't follow a lot of sports. I, I don't watch any sports. I listen to a little bit of a, a sports on the radio, some news, or listen to some scores, and I'll follow some scores. Uh, most of these athletes, uh, they're a bunch of uh, uh, God haters, and they uh, won't even uh, stand up in respect for our flag, and I don't have a whole lot of respect for somebody like that just because you can bounce a basketball or throw a touchdown pass. Well, uh, I, wonder, I wonder how they got to making millions of dollars. I wonder what country enabled them to make millions and millions of dollars. I think it's the red, white, and blue. I think it's the United States of America last time I checked. But they're, they're really, they're suffering. You pray for those athletes that are making 10 and $20 million a year. It's tough, let me tell you. It's very difficult. They've been very, uh, uh, they've, been, they've been through a lot, just I'll put it that way. But uh, these athletes, it's amazing because there are athletes that will have good games. They'll have bad games. 
There are athletes that will have good seasons and they'll have bad seasons. There are some athletes. Now, Brother Dan, I did not plan to say this in reference to your birthday last Sunday. But there are athletes that are playing now, that are playing professional basketball, making a lot of money, and they're getting too old because they're 35 and 36. There are NFL quarterbacks that are, that are, are about ready to retire because they have just hit 40. Don't get any ideas, Brother Dan. You're not retiring from being an assistant pastor. We are just getting started, brother. But, you know, athletes come and go. And they'll say, oh, they just, they just moved out of their prime. They were good for a few years, and now they're not doing so well. Well, friend, I got news for you. God is not uh, going up and down, and God is not wishy-washy, and God is not getting too old. God is not losing any power. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you and I can trust him today just like you could yesterday. I'll give it to you quickly. Why do we trust God? How can we trust God? Number one, it says in verse number 10, we can trust God because he is living he said, well, what's the big deal about the fact that he is living? He is the only God that is alive. Every other God that people worship and every other God that other denominations have put up as uh, the one that they worship, every other God is dead. He's in the grave. Uh, you could go and you could find those bones, but I want to tell you, our God is alive, and he is seated on the, the right hand of the throne of God, and he is alive forevermore. You can trust God because he is living. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. And nobody else could do what he did. He is living. Secondly, I want you to see you can trust God because he's looking. The Bible says we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men. Did you know that God is not hiding somewhere trying to keep you from finding him? If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, God is not playing hide and seek with you. God is not trying to run away from you. It's a matter of fact, it's the opposite. God's looking for you. The Bible says that Jesus left heaven and he came to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. He is the Savior. We needed a Savior, but we could not go to where he was. We could not enter into that perfect, holy place called heaven. And so Jesus knew we could not get to him, so Jesus left heaven to come to where we are. I'm glad not only is God living, but number two, God is looking. But number three, I want to remind you today, you can trust God because our God is loving the Bible says in verse number 10, he is the savior of all men, especially of those that believe. You see, those who believe, those who know the Lord, you can attest today that our God is a loving God. Aren't you glad that he loves us? Aren't you thankful that even though there's nothing in us that is lovable, there's nothing in us that is desirable, but yet God would say, I love them so much, I'll send my son. That Jesus would say, I love them so much, I will die on a cross for them. You can trust a God that would give his life for you because he loves you. 
I want you to see number four. We can trust God because he is lasting. Not only is God living, not only is he looking, not only is he loving, but God is lasting. You say, what do you mean by lasting? I mean, God is faithful. I mean that if you believe on him, like it says in verse 10, especially of those that believe, if you trust God, you know what you've found? He's trustworthy. If you believe God, you know what you have found? You have found that he is faithful. You have found that I'm not just trusting God because he's the, you know, the, the, best, the best option out there. I'm trusting God because he's the only one that I can trust. And he's the only one that I can give my life to and know that he will take care of me. I love the song in our hymn books, a good old hymn of the faith. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.